<laughs> what what could you possibly have been humming there? I don't know. Just sitting here waiting for you as usual. You're probably gonna use that on the beginning of the podcast. I should know better. I should well, know better. I actually don't know if I got it recorded in time, but anyway, yeah, hi whatever. Jason Fridmore. It'll, it'll be there, I'm sure. What's up, G Dub? Oh, you know, Kid. just uh preparing for a national archery deer, tournament. Just deer are, and stuff like that, just running into yeah, deer. Yeah, I hit a, I hit a deer on the way home. Sorry, Bambi. Good. Hey, good thing you weren't on a bike. It was a good thing I wasn't on the bike, and I thought about that, but I was like, yes, I would have had to stop at least one more time, and the timing would have been different. But yeah, it was it was a good thing I wasn't on the bike. Brian Drever, thinking about you, buddy. Um, of course we are always, always, yeah. But yep. anyway, yep, yeah, no big deal. Just smash the car up a little bit, a couple thousand bucks, it'll be just fine. Oh a yeah, thousand dollars on a seven hundred dollar car. It's going to yeah, be great. Thanks, thanks for that, Bambi. Well, anyway, welcome to the Greg's Garage Pod with Coach Jason Pridmore, presented by a brand new sponsor this week, Jay. We have Bike911.com coming on board. Our boy Alex Asante, attorney at large. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, thanks, JP. No, it's great. I, you know, look, I've known Alex for so many years, and the the cool thing is, is you know, for you know what you can do with Alex because. He used to go over all my contracts for me, um, just look over everything. If I ever had issues, he was always the guy to go to. Um, but what makes Alex a little different than most is um, he rode at a very high level. So like he, he can relate to, he can relate to our sport, which, you know, um, not a lot of, not a lot of attorneys can. I mean, there's obviously attorneys out there that rode. This guy rode at a high level. Um, you know, he won championships. Uh, with Weira, so see you and him are like you guys are like brothers, mm-hmm. brothers. Yeah, you and Alex, yeah. His were and, expert though. His were and he's got though. and he's got trial experience, and he also you know deals with injured riders from the street, you know, due to neglected you know neglecting drivers or whatever. So check out bike nine one one dot com if you need an attorney relates to motorcycle stuff. Go to bike911.com. Give Alex a call. He's a great dude. Tell him we sent you. You never know when someone's going to need an attorney, right? I mean, and no, he's always there I mean, if you need him. And yeah. you know, you'll hear about it over and over again because he's he's on board as a sponsor, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, well, he's done like he's done a lot of stuff with me, just even um, non motorcycle stuff. So it's it's not like it's you're just looking just at one kind of thing here. And um, but yeah, he's a great guy. Super enthusiastic about the sport, which we love. You know, the thing that took him out, he had a motocross accident, G-Dub. I mean, it's got to be, I want to say it's 10 years ago because he was on a motorcycle all the time. Like he was always dirt tracking, motocrossing, road racing, huge cyclist. So there's just a lot of different avenues that he can cover. But he got hurt on a motocross bike and, um, yeah, like kind of took him down. Had so many surgeries. Um and uh, it's just good that he's that he's. It's good that he's still around. It's good that he's still enthusiastic about the sport, even though, you know, I know some of the stuff he's been through. So yeah, huge thanks, Alex. Yeah, thank you for tuning in, everybody. If you're new to the podcast or haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. That way, every time it gets uploaded, you know when the stuff. Because Jason and I are, we're pretty good most of the time, but sometimes we're hit and miss. You know what I mean? Well, there's only times when we've when we're both on the road. Like today, I'm on the road still. I know you're home. I. I went to the track yesterday and uh, I went back to Pittsburgh uh, pit race yesterday. Obviously, Greg and I were there for the weekend with Moto America. Great, great weekend. Uh, we managed to dodge the weather on the weekend, which was great because there yeah, was rain kind of leading up to it. There was rain on Thursday 
big, big rains Thursday, big rains Friday night. Never really affected the track or the racing too much. But I left yesterday, Greg. I left, I left pit race yesterday to drive down to Cincinnati. And I mean, it rained of the four hours I drove, four and a half hours. It probably rained three and a half, four hours of it. So, and I'm sitting in a hotel room right now in, uh, in Cincinnati. And it's, I'm looking outside. It's a bit grim today too. So we were, man- we managed to miss all the weather, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And we, and you know, you got it on your drive. I got it on my way home. You know, Sunday for me was I was up at 530 in the morning. I went to uh, the archery club and I threw some arrows down range and then I got to the track by 730. And then I was going to do my little Instagram thing that I normally do, but I got yeah. caught up in conversation and, and then we work all day. And then I left pretty, you know, pretty quickly because I wanted to get home because I have this national archery tournament to go to tomorrow. And so I'm on the, you know, I'm in the middle of a seven and a half hour drive. So it's, you know, 1130, 1145 at night in the morning or whatever, you know, at night or whatever. And I'm, I'm tired. I'm not like dangerous tired. So I call up Jeff White and I'm on the phone with Jeff White and we're just wrapping out and I'm nine miles from home in the rain. And next yeah. thing you know, bam. Yeah. And dude, you want to talk about an adrenaline rush. Woo. Yeah, I bet. Hitting a, hitting I mean, a deer yeah. that you did not see coming. You yeah, know, that it was, sucks. It was a divided highway kind of a road, you know, 55 zone, a grass median. The, you know, the car's a 2008. It's my old, my grandma's old Kia that I ride, you know, drive it to the races if I can't ride the motorcycle and the headlights aren't that strong. And I mean, I'm got both hands on the wheel and I'm a hundred percent focused and I'm just talking to Jeff White. And next thing you know, whap, boom, boom. So yeah, yeah it crushed, it crushed the car up on the driver's side pretty well, but overall no dramas. I went back to see if, you know, if the deer was hurt or whatever. And uh, he was gone, 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 picked up my mirror that got broken off and was laying in the middle of the road. But it was so desolate at that point. I literally yeah. turned around. I stopped in the middle of this road. It's 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 just a straight like for two miles, straight yeah, and flat. So I hear they're over, always gone when you go back to them. They're like or, unless you really did a number. Unless on you them, really did a number done. on them, yeah, it was a glance off. And it's uh, good. It's it's good. It was good seeing the fastest of the white clan up there. Hey, listen, if week, you want you to know. support Greg's Garage podcast, you can go to Patreon slash Greg's Garage TV. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I am riding mm-hmm. the Ducati Multistrada V4S presented by Hudson Valley Motorcycles. I'm riding it to this USA Archery National Tournament in Richmond, Virginia tomorrow with the bow case on the back. So two by two cycles. We have uh, new rage cycles that built a light kit for it, all this stuff. I will do videos if you're interested in following that deal, because there still are two races to go after this Greg's Garage TV channel on the YouTube, which I know is just, you must subscribe, Jason, and you must have it favored, right? Like every time 100%. a new video comes up, you hit I the don't bell. Miss it. Yeah, I'll tell don't you though, miss it. I'll tell you though, I did miss, I, I even mentioned it to you. You didn't do your Sunday morning thing because you started doing that at Brainerd. I think it's great. So for those of you out there I that are diehard race stick. fans, it, the only problem is, is it's so early in the morning that you do it. So, I mean, yeah, it would be better if it was California anyway. Correct. But. Yeah. Like it's California when you're, when you, you get to the track at seven in the morning and you start your Instagram live, it's four o'clock in the morning in California. So especially, if, you know, obviously if we're on the East coast, I mean, so it's there of, for people. The problem, yeah. I guess this last time was, is I had the phone in normal mode and I, I started the, or I opened up the video. Then I turned it sideways to write, to type the description in. And I, yeah. and I went sideways the whole, you know, I went landscape the whole time yeah. as yeah. you should do, because, you know, I don't know, look at a computer screen. 
Look at your television. Look yeah. at a movie theater. Stu- yeah. I cannot stand freaking people and their phone holding it. Anyway, doesn't matter. So you're um, so angry. Need help. Yeah, I need help. You do. You know who also is angry? Let's Maverick Vignali. So it's time to uh, oh, yeah. to do the news presented by Arai. <laughs> how, how how do you like that? How about that? Was that was pretty good. That was a nice for a segue. Hey, yeah, you like that segue? That's mm. a segue. All right. The problem is right now, Jason, is that I'm having to open up my reads because I yeah, didn't and pre-open you're them at up. It because I cannot believe you have to. Uh, you don't know the whole Arai read. Well, I might as well just pull one out of my head then, you know, about antimicrobials because the Arai helmets are lined with a material that has antimicrobial material in it, you know? That interior liner gives you odor resistance, some dirt resistance, and of course, the antimicrobials that you love so much. Yep. Nolan Lampkin, who I hear rumors might be back in action. You can stay fresher longer and enjoy a comfortable ride in the latest Arai. Check out AraiAmericas.com. Pick what you like. Head down to your local dealer for fitment and grab a new lid from them. AraiAmericas.com. All right. So we're a little late to the party, Jay. I understand that, but it's still worth yeah. talking about. So Maverick Vignal is like right after we post the podcast, it comes out. Yamaha sends a press release out that says Maverick Vignalis has been suspended from the whatever, the bitci.com, whatever, the latest Grand Motor Prix. GP race. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So all the chatter was about that. Uh, a couple days later or the next day, an onboard video comes out on MotoGP.com that shows Maverick. Did you believe they posted it? I didn't think it was going to be coming from MotoGP.com. You know what? I did because MotoGP and Dorna has really kind of shifted their point of view from protecting everything to starting to get that dramas out there and that it, it kind of helps to grow the sport. That's what I think anyway. It's what hmm. I've seen. So I think that there's a, a bit of a shift in mindset over there. So okay. they post it. Vinales is just off the living or pissed. You know, there's only whatever they have five engines allocated. I know it's a rev limiter or whatever. He's excuse me. He's upset. He does it coming into pit lane. They suspend him, blah, 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 blah. We're all going, okay, whatever. I mean, I don't really think many people missed him. And then next thing, you know, the press release comes out that he is signed with Aprilia factory. You don't think, you don't think many people missed him? Yeah. That was your feeling, huh? Well, I I mean, I, it's the, he's it's such a strange thing to me because it's such a strange story because every test these guys go do, especially preseason and all that, Vinales is always quickest. And then he goes out and he wins the first race of the year and just smoked everybody at Doha at what generally isn't really a Yamaha track. Quattararo won the week after, and arguably Vinales could have won that race too had he got through guys as quick as Quattararo did, because if you remember the end of that race, Vinales had moved himself up and um, it was, it was pretty wild that it's pretty wild that we can be in the same season talking about a rider who isn't like, let's say struggling for results. He is, but he isn't. That's what I mean. It's so weird. The guy goes from winning Grand Prix to finishing dead last in a couple of them as well. It's, I don't, I can't think of any other scenario that I can draw or parallel to this story. No, it's very strange. He's gone through how many crew chiefs this year? He's, well, got- he's gone through like three. I think in in the in the last couple years. Couple years, yeah. And so, so you gotta like, I'm I'm a writer still, so I'm always like, oh, the writer's not really getting what they want, you know? Like, well, that's what I think I am a writer, even though I'm probably not anymore. But I I sit there <laughs> and I think, if you've gone through three crew chiefs, sooner or later the onus is going to get put on you, as a writer, like, because if nobody can help you, then there's obviously something missing. And by the way, it doesn't help that your, your teammates, you know, 
winning the world championship and winning races. Well, that's, that's really, I think the biggest thing, right? But yeah, I mean, he's won what nine, nine GPs in his career. When he shows up to race, he's nearly untouchable at times. And yeah, you know, it's, it's a mystery. Now there was a debate. I can't remember who I had it with this weekend, but you know, someone was like, Oh, I heard that Vinales is going to Aprilia. Why would you even touch him? I'm like, why would you touch him? You touch him because Aprilia doesn't have a premier rider. I mean, I like Alicia Spargo and he's shown yeah. flashes, but he's not a guy who has ever proven that he can get in front of somebody and go check out and dominate like Vinales is capable of doing. The other thing is, is that you look at, I mean, they're Italian, dude. Being half Italian myself, you know, you run off passion. And if you're Aprilia and you don't have a person and you can hire someone with the skills of Maverick Vinales and you see this video where he's going, ba, 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 ba. You have to say to yourself at some point, like Bill Belichick has, and I, I hate to bring the New England Patriots into this, Jason, but hear me out. This is fair play. How many times have you seen Belichick take someone at the end of their career, especially someone who's a bit of a problem child, and give them another opportunity and they thrive, even if it's for one yeah. season or one game or whatever. So sometimes yep. you have management that says, you know what? I, I think that we can give Maverick what he needs. I think that we can manage his brain. And if we can get the most out of him, I mean, the question I have for you, Jason, is when yeah. the press release came out about Aprilia, were you shocked? Would you still take him as one of your riders? You know what I thought about when I saw the video of him doing what he was doing? Mm-mm. And everybody was saying, like, you know, it's it's the biggest oh, wait, thing. I, I know. Thought- that time in 1996 when we were at Pikes Peak and – Oh, God. No, sorry. Go ahead. It, it was – yeah, it wasn't 96. Mm. It was 97. It was um, 97. That's my bad. Yeah, no, the thing is, and you should have blown the motor up. You'd have saved yourself some time. Um, <laughs> some years. You know, the thing is, is I think about the guys that work on the bike. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sitting yeah. there and I'm watching and I'm sitting there thinking about it's a really bad look for the guys that work on that bike and and bust their asses to build, to to, you know, take motors in and out. And they're watching their rider. I mean, it's really hard to get the garage back behind you after that. Like, it's really hard. Like, like people are saying, oh, he's, he's going to be riding at Silverstone. I mean, I don't know. Yamaha might just sit in for the rest of the year, especially now that they've announced Aprilia. Why would they want Maverick Vinales to come back? Yeah, they're paying him a lot of money, but they're paying him regardless. And if he's not getting results and he's pissed off and he's trying to blow their shit up, then why would they, why would they bring him back? Well, there's other factors at play. There's the amount of money that they get from Dorna and the requirement of having two bikes on the grid. But they can they're- do that still, right? Uh, you know, I don't know who else is out there. I mean, Morbidelli's coming back. What in like two rounds, three rounds? Yeah, I mean, there's they the can... monster commitment. You know, monster probably in their contracts has two bikes on. I, I don't know. I mean, he said he's apologized to the team. I understand it. What it, it's a perspective thing too, right? Yeah. Like yeah. we have seen people in the past, not so much in modern GP because of this engine restriction, but I've seen people win races and go to the rev limiter in joy, right? And it yeah. is a rev limiter. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's designed yeah. to do that. But look, you know, any not in, G- the, way, not in the context that he was doing it. Though. No, no, no. And and that's the whole thing. It's I think it, it what comes <laughs> into play is the malice. It comes into play that they're divorced now, that they're just living together. I mean, it's just a horrible situation. And, and never mind the fact that you know that there's an engine limit. So even yeah. if you're even if you're angry and you blow a motor up, we don't know. I don't know what motor he was on number wise, but somebody else is going to have to ride that bike for the rest of the year. So yeah, that's true. You 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 essentially blow up a motor, or you if you damage a motor, uh, yeah, you might not be on the bike, you know, whatever. But somebody else has to be. So you you know, it, it just it's a bad look, and I still don't know why he stalled it on the line that day. 
he was good at the start of that first race. And then of course we had the red flag because of Pedrosa and, um, and who was it? Um, Savadori. Yeah. And, Salvadori. Then, and then he comes to the line and stalls it. So he's got the start 2 million the euro and, fire. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah I, anyway. I don't know. I mean, look, it is what it is at this point for him. I, I mean, I just hope that maybe a chain of, change of scenery, maybe, you know, a change of people around him, you know, he's been teammates of, before with the lace too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Suzuki. Yeah. yeah they were Suzuki. Suzuki. So they know each other and you can kind of see a lace can that came to his rescue a little bit, like in a couple posts. Well, know? yeah. I mean, and, and as soon as I saw a come to, you know, kind of come to his rescue, like you're saying, I was like, Oh, they're teammates. You know, because yeah. you know you don't want to start off on the bad foot with your with your now again teammate for sure. I mean, that's that's my opinion anyway. But you know, Jay Yamaha's woes kind of continue. Like we were talking, who do you put on the bike? Well, yep. it was reported on Motorsports.com that Darren Bender, Moto Three Darren Bender. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. Obviously, you guys are listening to this on Wednesday. If you're if you like to jump on it, but today or if you're listening to it Tuesday of this week that he's going to be testing a Yamaha M1 at Brno. Do you think that, that Darren Bender, the brother of Brad Bender, is ready to jump straight into MotoGP just like Jack Miller did? It took Jack quite a while to get used to those bikes, but he's doing I it. Do. I do. He's a big guy, so I think he is. I think he'll be fine. Um, I, I, I really think he's ready for it. I think he's kind of outgrown, obviously, the Moto3 class. I just it's he's he's such a big tall guy and this is going to be a perfect example of being able to see what he can do on a big bike but again Greg I mean these guys live in the electronics world now and once he gets used to the weight of the bike um and I'm sure this guy's ridden a thousand somewhere in his life you know as far as you know at a track day or just you know whatever I'm sure he's probably jumped on one at some point maybe not but he'll go test that yard bike and uh world endurance team He'll go test their bike at Brno. What a great track to, to do it. Oh, is that well. what it is? It's an R1, not an M1? R1. He's going to oh, test R1, R1 sorry. with Yart. Yeah, sorry. I didn't hear you say M1. Yeah, it's R1. <clears throat> He's testing for uh, Yamaha Austria, the World Endurance Factory uh, team. Uh, Yamaha runs their, you know, they, they run a R1 with Nico Canepa mm-hmm. and those guys. So we just saw Hanukkah and Fritz at the last round in most. So... Carl Hanneke and Marvin Fritz and Nico Kenepa usually make up that Yart team in World Endurance. <clears throat> so they're going to put they're going to put Darren on a bike. Um, I think just as a test day and see what they think about it. And I'm sure he'll be I'm sure he'll be 100 fine. Mm. So and don't don't you think it kind of helps that he's kind of going to the M1 too? I think I don't know if it would be he'd be going yeah he'd be going to the M1 on the Patronus team is yeah. is what they're saying. So yeah, and I think that that's a big advantage too as opposed to going to like a honda or something else you know even a ktm I, I i think that the yamaha has kind of been known as the maybe the easiest one to kind of ride mm-hmm. so yeah we'll see I, I i i'm excited about that idea though i think i think uh you know i, I think he's, he's ready to move on yeah that, he'll, he'll his, be just he'll be just fine i mean his it's... team is being disbanded next year as we've read that patronus isn't going to be running their moto 2 and moto 3 team so there's a few guys there now that are without rides. Obviously, McPhee uh, in Moto Three with Bender, and then uh, and then what we got? We got Jake Dixon, and I, I can't. It's, I've gone blank on the other. On the that, wasn't there a rumor that Jake Dixon is going to race next race on the Silverstone, possibly? Yeah, on the M1. Well, so. Yamaha's just scrambling right now, right? And they, they got they're scrambling because they don't, you know, they got to find guys that can jump on these bikes. So it wouldn't be surprised to see Dixon get on that thing. So. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Yeah. Well, we'll talk more MotoGP stuff coming up, but just a quick note on the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross series. Um, we just don't have enough time to talk about it this week and you know, in yep. detail as both of us have competitions to prepare for. But congratulations to Honda as they swept the weekend. Almost swept all the motos. Kenny Roxon goes 1-1 in the 450 class. Jet Lawrence goes 2-1 for his overall win. In the 450 championship, Roxon made up eight points on Dylan Ferrandez, but the Frenchman still has, what, 39 points on the German. In the 250s. Yeah, so fast. I know, dude. In the he 250s, was so fast, yeah. Yeah, Justin Cooper goes 1-4 to finish second. His lead is cut to four with four events to go, eight motos. So that championship 250 is pretty snug. I like it. Also, anything you want to comment on that? Well, they got or? they got five rounds in a row to finish their season. I you know I watched, I was watching the telecast on my computer at night. Uh, Saturday night I watched the first motos, and then uh, Sunday night I actually watched all the second motos. So I didn't know the results, which was good. But um, yeah, Jet Lawrence, I I still think. I mean, Cooper smoked him in the first race, and then then Cooper got the whole shot in the second and just went straight backwards. So it's really weird, you know, like how those guys like Greg, what do they got between motos? Like an hour? Um Do you remember when you yeah, were commenting? Yeah, yeah. So it'll go two fifty moto and then uh, yeah, and four fifty. Yeah, about an hour. About yeah, because an hour this so. weekend this weekend they did four fifties first and then two fifties second. And the track was just brutally rough and it was yeah, but anyways, they was, did. I wonder why they reversed it. Why again? You know, I know they've done that a couple times. Why again? Mm-hmm. Tell us. But yeah, like, but, but yeah, this week they did four fifties first, then two fifties, and I think um, it's generally about an hour between. I mean, it's gnarly. Yeah. It's a gnarly. Yeah, the grind. turnaround. Do they do they do other they do other stuff though? Do they not? No. Greg, besides those, no. Nope. It's just those four races in the day, and you're done. Right. So when they're done, they just start grooming the track, and then Got they it. start lining them back up again. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Yeah, some of the activities under those canopies, like some of the teams that'll run both under one tr- transporter are pretty hectic yeah. because, you know, after the first moto, they take those bikes back, man. They pressure wash them, clean them up. It's crazy. You know, they check everything. I mean, they're, they're, they do a full service on the bike. It's like an you NHRA know. event where they just, they do, those guys do a run and they just service the whole car afterwards. And yeah. Yeah, that's pretty gnarly. Yeah. yeah sometimes motor swaps and moto. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the number one thing in motocross and supercross, you know, from our perspective on the road racing side, I think our number one thing is performance. We talk about it all the time. How much horsepower? How do you get the power to the ground? On that side of things, I learned from Dan Fahey, who's the team manager for, you know, used to be in road racing and now obviously on the Supercross motocross side. He's like, our number one goal is to get the rider to the finish line. Because yeah. if they have an engine failure or they have a part fail and the rider just took off of a jump and they get hurt, it's it's number one yeah, it's, it's a human being but number two it's millions of dollars potentially flushed down the toilet and yeah, we know yeah, yeah. how easy it is for these pro motocross and supercross racers to get hurt yeah yeah you know? yeah it's and crazy so it's, it's all about how do we protect them so they don't make maximum horsepower because why would you want to build a motor that's on the limit like that you know they build yeah. a nice buffer to make sure that they go make sure they have fuel don't run out of fuel all that kind of stuff so yep anyway yep. all right uh on to american flat track because AFT raced over the weekend. They had two races in New York in the premier mission, the AFT Super Twins class. Slamming Sammy Halbert takes his first win of the season on Friday night. Jared Meese taking the win on Saturday night. The championship has Briar Bauman 18 ahead of Meese. They have six races remaining in 2021. I believe that season wraps up in Charlotte in October. Oh, and wow. I will, I'm going to that race for sure. Yeah, oh, you'll Brian. be there, huh? If I still have the Ducati, I will ride it down there. So I got to yeah. talk to 
the good folks at Hudson Valley Motorcycles and see when I have to uh, return the bike. But um, yep. yeah, so I'll ride down there and check that out. Uh, racing, racing in that class was okay. The producer for that is Brad Jones, who lives in Beaver so Falls. So good seeing him. Yeah, Great and seeing he, him. He showed up Sunday, so we talked to some of those classes. He said that the, twin, the singles class is absolutely gnarly racing. So I love watching flat track. I love being on the side of the track. And uh, occasionally, you know, because of what we do for a living, we'll get access that some people don't stand in certain places on the track. And it's it's really cool, especially yeah, with, it's great. with uh, Gene Crouch and Brad Jones being there. But anyway, it's looking forward to that and the calendar. Um, and can't wait to see what happens in this Premier Class Championship. How about congratulations to Brandon Posh, the New Jersey native, put his Triumph 765 on the podium in Donington Park in BSB over the weekend in the Super Sport Class. Well done, Posh. Pretty good, yeah. right? Yeah, awesome. I think it's uh, yeah. I mean, it sounds like he's getting a little bit more comfortable on that thing over there, and the racing sounds good. My boy Andy always keeps me up to date on what Brandon's doing over there. And uh, oh, how about this, sent, Jay? How about me this? a lot of links? Yeah. So I show up Sunday morning, and Baz is already under his canopy, and he's yep. got his phone, and, he, and on his phone, he's able to have two windows open at the same time, and he's got BSB streaming as well as MotoGP. Wow, that's and great. I'm like, dude, what's up? He goes, yeah. I'm French. I have Eurosport. And the BSB is yeah. on Eurosport. And I'm like, dude, can I get your login? And he looks at me, he goes, no, you can't get my login. I was like, oh. Yeah, that's that sucks. Yeah, yeah that's no, cool. That's... So if we want to watch BSB, go find Baz. Yeah, he's, he's exactly. Got, he's streaming. And that was Superbike race number. It was the first Superbike race of the day. And I think the margin of victory is like four thousandths of a second or something. It was gnarly. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good over there. I mean, it's really, really good. You got a bunch of guys like... A lot of different winners. I saw Bradley Ray was on the podium again this this weekend, and Jason O'Halloran I think's doing the business right now over there. Good guy, like really solid dude. And yeah, no, it's I think Mackenzie won one. So mm. yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 good. I think Bridewell won. I think they had three different winners. I think they did. All right, look yeah. in the Canadian Superbike Series, we have two time Moto America champ Alex Dumas. He's racing on a superbike. They had three races over the weekend. Now, Dumas went winless, but he put on the box all three times. Ben Young won one, and Jordan Zoke dusted himself off and won a couple. With two races remaining in the championship, Dumas leads Young by 10 points, and Zoke yeah. is 30 points back. That's pretty exciting. Have you been in contact with Alex yeah. about the weekend at all? Yeah, I was texting him with Francois, and he told me about the results and how close it was. I guess every race was like throw a blanket over him. Yep. So it was, it was you know, obviously it was really close. I think Jordan, there was something weird that happened in qualifying. So he ended up ninth. And then he had a problem in race one with his bike. So, but it sounds like it's more than just those two, three guys too. There's a couple other guys. I think Tremblay is one of the names of the guys. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's like six, there was like six guys in that league group, which sounds pretty exciting. So I know they were at Mossport. I was texting Alex over the weekend saying, man, I wish you were at Pittsburgh. He's like, Jay, he goes, Mossport is a sick track. And I, the only thing I can remember about Mossport is that the very first place I ever ran off a racetrack, I was like I don't know, <laughs> 14 or 15. So didn't crash, just ran off. And then I sat there, Greg, out in the grass, pretending like I was watching students go by. So my dad wouldn't think I, you know, did stupid. <laughs> yeah, I just went and parked out there. Dude, and I'm good like, oh, move. Yeah. Good just move. Watch, just out there watching dad, you know? So, yeah. But you want to yeah, hear Mossport. my story about racing Mossport or no? No, I don't. Okay. All right. Nobody does. Nobody does. We need to, right. you know, we got a big announcement here that, that we'd been waiting for, and we should have made it the like top of our show. What's that? Rossi. Oh, no, we talked about that last week. 
I know, but th- he almost got on the podium. Oh, Doug- he almost got on the box. Well, Dougie, that is Dougie, true. Dougie Lincoln was probably wetting himself up in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, and not in the I have to take a pee way. No, he, he yeah, probably not. Yeah, I mean, Dougie was in his little man cave just flipping out with two with two corners to go. Yeah, he almost he almost he almost got there, but he yeah. didn't. But we we can talk about that in the results when we talk yes. about MotoGP. Yes. Okay, because yes. that is your news presented by Arai. So are you ready to move on or do you want me to start? No, doing why it? don't we just sit there and let the silence be killers here and just, just do nothing. I know exactly what's going on. He's trying to pull up results because he's like, oh, wait, this no, is me. I got the results. I got I got all the Moto America stuff here. But see, in my rundown that Greg sent me, he sent me last week's rundown, everybody, just so everybody knows. No, I didn't. I don't have a current one. Oh, you don't? Did I send no. you last week's rundown by accident? Yeah, oh, you're, sorry. You're a dope. Anyways, let's... <laughs> Well, I typed one out and everything. So, all right, Jason, this is the part of the program where you're going to yeah. talk about um, pit race and, and results and points. I, got, and things I already like have that. all the results up. My program is sorted. Then I'm going to go to MotoGP, right? And talk about that. Great. And, you know, do that. And then you're going to talk about MotoGP fantasy. Then we're going to do the calendar and then we're going to get the hell out of here. Get out of here because it's going to be a long one. Well, yeah. I mean, we're already, we're just talking well, yeah, about what happened keep, over the weekend and we're 30 minutes in. Yeah, but no, I don't keep, I, just, I, I, I just, am not telling the story about yeah, Mossport. I know. Thank God for and that. It's so, Anyways, they're so good though. Yeah. I don't care. Nobody cares, Greg. Nobody I cares. A, I was on a factory Kawasaki. Yeah. yeah a factory Kawasaki. Oh my God. All right. Now <laughs> let's talk about pit race because we've got two rounds to go. Don't we? This season is just like flown by G-Dub and mm. I, nobody's catching this guy, Jake Gagne, at the front. And they're not going to. I really don't think they are. Now, I said in the telecast, and I do stand by this, I think that you and I are always trying to kind of hope that there's going to be a race at the front. None of us saw this coming at the beginning of the year. And it's going to be fun having Jake on the program, uh, you know, maybe after the season's over and talking with him. Um, because the dominance that he has shown, I said, that Jersey might be a little bit closer only because of the nature of the track. It's a lot shorter, isn't it? What is it, Greg? Like a minute 22? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So, so we might see these guys a little bit closer there. Um, but I don't think it matters. I feel like that when Jake, like we saw it in race two, I believe, when things kind of settled down to like a plus two point lead, two second lead, plus two, it was almost like he went, whoa, 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 whoa. They're on, I'm, I just did two laps in a row and I'm only two seconds ahead still. And he just <laughs> dropped it another half second into the back into the forties, a minute forties that is, and goes on and, and, and wins. Now in race one, Greg, we'll talk about race one real quick. Gagne wins over his weekend teammate, Tony Elias, who I thought just did a tremendous job. He did exactly what you want a guy that comes in on a weekend to do. I mean, he got your results. He didn't throw your bike down the road. He, he, Absolute professional. Did exactly what he was supposed to do there. Matthew Skoltz ends up third over Cam Peterson. Hector Barbara ends up fifth. Kyle Wyman, Bradley Ward, Fong, who started from pit lane after a brake adjuster came loose or something, and he, he you know felt safer kind of pulling in the pits and making sure. Jake Lewis and Hayden Gillum. Great to see Hayden Gillum back. Hayden Gillum ends up 10th. The points finishers for the rest of that were Alexander Ferris Gilbert, Travis Wyman, and Max Flinders. Now, at the, at the beginning of race one, there was a little bit of controversy, I guess, a little bit of banging on fairings again. And it kind of came from the same two guys, didn't it? Um, Yeah, kind of three guys, right? So it was, you know, between 
Matthew Skultz and Loris Baz. And then Cam Peterson kind of had a, you know, a moment there where he was like, dude, knock it off. And yeah. remember he and Cam Peterson got into it multiple times at VIR this yeah. year. Yeah. So, so Baz has definitely, you know, been aggressive, aggressive riding with some people. Um, and you know, teams stand up for their riders and stuff like that, Jay. And you talked about it on, on the broadcast. Personally, myself, I wouldn't say it on the broadcast, but I'll say it here. It didn't look like that big of a deal to me. I did see a piece fly off. So again, we're looking outside in, right? And we're looking at two bikes leaned over, not from an inside perspective. I don't know how hard they hit, but it was definitely aggressive riding. And But it's not something that we haven't ever seen before. I think it's just to the point where you get in contact with someone enough times and it just gets you frustrated and it kind of boiled over after the race. I don't think it gets you frustrated. I think it just pisses you off. I think that I'm a hundred percent with you on this. Um, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit over the whole, like, um, you know, rut, it, when you race, it, it, it's gone on for millions of years. I don't think that there's any time really. I mean, I'm sure there's times in history where people tried to run into each other and there was a lot of hostilities. I don't feel like anybody puts a helmet on with the intent to go out there and smash into people. I, I, I don't believe that. Um, there's guys that race aggressive and, and, and they can use their size to help them be able to, to rub against guys. Now, the problem I have, if there is, is that, is that it just seems like for in Matthew's side of things, it's the same guy that keeps doing it. Like there's history there, you know, like I think if it's, you know, Kyle Wyman or Tony Elias or Bobby Fong, if they would have rubbed Matthew, I think it would have been, yeah, it would have bummed him out, but it would have been like, it doesn't happen all the time. And I think that's the hardest thing that Matthew's dealing with right now is that it always seems to be Baz. We saw Baz and him get together even at Laguna. We saw him and Baz, we saw Baz go up underneath him at Brainerd and rub him out of the way, kind of. We saw this one where it actually happened in two consecutive corners. Um, So I think that there's a level of frustration there. Um, But I don't really feel like race direction needs to get involved in this stuff. And that's kind of what we had heard that was going to happen is that there could be some penalties laid out and we need our series. We, we want our racing to be close. We want our racing to be tight. Um, but I'm with you, G-Dub. I, I, it's tight, hard racing. And the other thing you got to remember is these guys are tired of chasing the same guy. They want to get up to the front and hassle Gagne. That's what they want to do. They want to get up there and they want to stick their nose in with him. And so everybody's trying so hard at the beginning of the races to do that. Matthew Skultz is a very competitive person by nature, which I enjoy uh, tremendously about yeah. him. Yeah. And I agree with you. Matthew Skultz is not in Hono Superbike to go, oh, wow, I, w- I was the first one behind Gagne. He yes. wants to beat him. He wants to figure it out. The team wants to. I can tell you from being around that team, there is zero thought at the management level, at the rider level, anything like that, that says that the fresh and lean attack performance Yamaha is a better bike than our bike. And we just want to prove that we have the second fastest bike on the grid. They literally believe that their bike is as good. And Skultz is so, like you're saying, I think he's just so angry, pissed, frustrated, whatever it is you want to, you know, put on there that he's finishing second, that he's really working hard, dude. I mean, his riding yeah, style has smoothed out. You know, that he's he's closer than he's been. They're more consistent rolling the thing off the truck, 
one of the things that I see them doing is they're making smaller changes to the bike. They're not yeah. going from one side to the other side and then hoping they're going to land on something. They've started to get a better baseline setting, and now they're starting to just do those little minor things. It's not as fine-tuned as Gagne's stuff. I mean, please. You yeah, know, well, we're at the point with Gagne where you go, now I'm going to take uh, a millimeter of oil out of the forks. Let's see how that goes. You know, it's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> so, they, they do so little to, to Gagne's bike. And, yeah, I talked to Chuck on Friday, and he was he was pumped on their day. Like, their their Friday was really good. And Chuck Giacchetto, you mean from Westby? Chuck Giacchetto, yeah, sorry. Um, Giacchetto, what yeah. you, uh, he doesn't care. And he was, they were happy. Like, they were like, yeah, we, we're, everything's, I mean, couldn't have gone better the first day. And we know Matthew likes that place and he goes fast. So he's an aggressive guy. And, um, you know, it's getting together. I mean, even when you look at his race results, when you look at Matthew, he's 14 seconds off the first day with a minute 41.5 was his lap time. Second day, he goes 40.6 and he was only 5.7 behind the winner. Um, and, and, and again, I feel like Jake was controlling that. And Matthew's very honest in his interviews when he says that, you know, he knows Jake's got a little bit over them right now. And he even said, he's like, there was one point where I kind of closed up a little bit. He goes, and then Jake saw that and, and, and kind of walked, you know, got back away. That's what, you know, when Matthew's catching Gagne, that's when they got to go mug the pit board of Gagne. So they got to go like, <laughs> you know is that what, I mean? what it is? Yeah. Is that, that the new I mean, strategy? <laughs> that's, I think Chuck needs to look into that. Chuck Chiquetto, like, this is just <laughs> go tackle whoever's holding Gagne's pit board. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe that maybe, or maybe they, go steal a couple of the key the, numbers. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, like no the word plus. doesn't get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, the word the word's not going to get out then. So I, mean, I thought it was uh, yeah, it was great. You know, looking at the race results too. The one thing I want to comment on is is I I definitely think because of the rain that we had leading up to it, and you heard me say it on the broadcast a couple of times, but it, it, it's a real thing. How dirty mm -hmm. the track was. It really started yeah. to or clean whatever green. The track started to come around. To give you an idea of how much faster race two was, Gagne wins that race in 28 minutes, 53 sec seconds. Matthew Skultz finishes second in race two at a 21.51. Yep. So Matthew Skultz actually went faster by about two seconds total race time yeah. than Gagne did winning that race by 11 yeah. seconds. And of course, Gagne went faster. He went 28.53 to 28.46, you know, but it shows you like, how much better the teams are on race on day two, no matter what the track conditions were and how important those changes are. Yeah. You know, the only thing Gagne, I wonder, you know, he, he, Gagne always says like, I don't really care about track records, that kind of stuff. But he went like what? 40 thousandths of a second off of breaking the track re race track record. There's no way he was going to break the qualifying track record because the track was too green on Saturday, but he was so close. And he I still know got down to the 39s, didn't he? He got down 39s in qualifying, yeah. yeah. He yeah, went like 39.9, where the track record was the 39.5. And then the race record was like a 140.550 yeah. or something like that. And he did a 140.586 and on lap two. And that was it. He didn't need to push after that. You know, there's no there's no urgency. In why, and why hang it out for something as ridiculous as a track record where wins matter? But yeah, it was... Well, uh, yeah, And yeah, even was, if he doesn't talk about championship, it's got to be one of those things now where let's not let's not go chasing ghosts and do something stupid doing that and get hurt. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that once he wraps up the championship, you know, you might even see him dial it up a notch. Cause it's just not, you know, it's not going to matter. I think, uh, yeah. I mean, Gagne right now is untouchable. I, nobody's going to get near him. I thought, um, I'll tell you this and we'll talk about him for a minute is Tony Elias. I thought him coming back 
to the fresh and lean attack performance Yamaha team was, I thought it was a great call. Um, as far as, you know, he was out there, he was riding. I know there's a couple guys that, that are also on that list possibly of riders. We know JD's ridden that bike, but he couldn't do it because of his flat track commitments. But I think, I mean, when you look at what Tony did from the time he stepped on that bike in the very first session, it was super easy for him to ride. Says me, right? I probably is. No, I'm not making no, it was, job sound it was, easy. You're right. No, I went. To, <laughs> I went to him after the first session. It's easy to ride. Very yep. simple to ride for him. Um, but when we watch the races and you look at kind of how he rode that bike, and you know that bike is very, very well known for you know, kind of always being. You, you ride it in line, don't you, G Dub? I mean, yes. Even when you see Top Rack uh, overseas, a lot of his braking is done upright. And that's why you see the rear wheel off the ground. That's why they call him stop rack along with his stoppies and all that. But very, very rarely is he backing it in and running it to the apex, which we know Tony likes to do. And I'd said that in the second day in the telecast that if you watch when he goes straight to the apex, it, it actually slows his entry speed in certain corners. Um, and where you could see like Gagne and Sculpts both rolling through there. And I think if Tony had you know, a full day or two of testing on that bike and rode it and could learn to ride it just a tiny bit different. Like he would adapt to it. He would make the changes. I think that, um, I mean, I think he could get, I think he would be even faster than he was. I think it was a great track for him to ride that bike at. The other thing too, is that from Richard Stamboli's perspective, he was like, Tony rides in a really unique way. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the, the particulars of the data and how much fork travel he uses and how much brake pressure he uses. And he doesn't slam the front end of the ground. He actually doesn't use as much fork travel as Jake Gagne does. And But but also, Tony likes it a lot stiffer. And he's a lot yeah. different body mass. You know, Tony has to deal with the fact that he's a small guy on a big bike. Gagne is able to use his body like you are, you know, to, to really manipulate the bike in, in different ways that Tony physically can't do. It was the old Marco Simoncelli versus Danny Pedrosa situation mm-hmm. back in the day mm-hmm. where on Hondas, you could see the only way that Simoncelli, the advantage Simoncelli had was in the braking zone because where Danny Pedrosa couldn't scooch back on the seat and prevent the rear end from coming over the top of his head, Simoncelli could. And so yep. it's it's Richard was like, wow, like looking at the way Tony does things and his application of the throttle – I mean, I hope I'm not giving anything away in this, but one of the things that Richard said was in the early in the early laps that Tony was doing, um, Tony never once got the throttle to 100% opening. Yeah. And Richard was like, why aren't you? And Tony said, because when I open the throttle, I feel exactly where I have traction. And if I go over the limit, I can feel the traction breaking. That's- so I'm doing it with the throttle. And Richard said, oh, that's... By the way, we have electronics to do that. So <laughs> yeah, if you just great, let though. us know, we can actually do that for you if you want us to do that. You yeah. know, so I would imagine that that changed a little bit, but incredible job what Tony was able to do, you know, first day. I think um, you know, Pete that the fact that people struggled as well kind of played into Tony's favor because he got to dig into his vast knowledge pool and really be able to figure <laughs> it out. And uh yeah, great job by Tony to fill in. And like you're saying, Jason, he did the thing, two things that are really critical. Number one, he didn't crash the bike. Right. Two, he gets a podium, which is just a bonus. But the most important part, he didn't do anything crazy and like crash Gagne out. You know, like there was yeah, nothing, wow. nothing like that. And well, that's we said why that. he's a pro. It, there's, there's one guy you can't touch and you got a guy that was perfect for the job there. Um, I mean, I think just a couple names, uh, Cam Peterson. 
kind of a quiet weekend. Second one in a row for Cam, a little bit quiet. Now, the thing I love about the fact that I can say that about Cam is that he's finishing these races still. I love that. Like, he's not tossing the thing down the road, trying to get more out of the bike and all that. And I know he's probably frustrated. I didn't really get to talk to Cam at all. In fact, I don't don't even think I saw him. You know, first race, he goes 41-4. You know, second race, Greg, he goes 40.7, which is only two tenths off of what Gagne did. I mean, the pace is there. There's just something that's, whether it's tire wear or, um, but the consistency for Cam right now over the last two rounds hasn't been where we've seen it. Um, that said, he's not making those big mistakes trying to make up for it, which I like. Um, but uh, I might reach out to him this week because, you know, he's one of our favorite guys and it's, it's, a bummer to see. I know he wants to be up on there, up there on the podium. He got he got decent starts again, um, but just didn't seem like he just quite had that pace after a certain amount of laps. Yeah, he really thought going into Sunday morning because I saw him quite a bit over the course of the weekend. He really thought Sunday morning they had stumbled on something in uh, warm up, and he was very quick in warm up, and he was really excited for that race. I was shocked more than anything else to see mm-hmm. that he wasn't able to maintain that pace. But again. Yeah. It's his first year on the Suzuki. He's coming off of a stock thousand bike. I think he's doing a great job. You're talking about it, Jason. Like he's finishing races. He is third in the championship. He's got 19 point advantage over Bobby Fong currently. But you know, as I'm looking at the results, you know, he's he's finished every race this year. You know, with his yeah, worst. That's great. That's so good. Yeah, and it's you know that's what you want from someone. You you want someone who comes off of a stock thousand season as dominant as it was, wins a championship. And not be all gung ho and start ripping through gear. Now he's he's written one or two off. Don't get me wrong. You oh, know, yeah. But, but those it's... haven't been in the races where it really matters in the points. It matters for the team in terms of budget. But it's been in testing or or in practice or whatever. So you know he's he's doing he's doing great job. Also, Jay, you got to mention about the the um, the Superbike Cup because Jake Lewis again now he's got a thirty five points over yeah. Travis Wyman and fifty six over. Corey Alexander pretty dominant right now. I mean, um, they've talked about how they had to get that bike kind of set up for him. Uh, obviously it's the bike that Cameron Peterson rode last year for the stock thousand class. But I mean, when you look at the pace he's going right now, um, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, he was, he was at, I think he got down to the 42s on, he did, he went 42, six the second day. And I know last year, I think Corey Alexander did 42, nine. It was one of the few tracks where I don't believe I, – I could be wrong on this, but I think 42.9 was quick, and I think Cam did like 43.0 last year or something. He might have got down to the twos. I think they only did one race here last year. Um, I just can't remember, to be Stock fair. Stock thousand you're talking about, yeah. Stock thousand. So the fact that Jake got down into 42.6 in the second Superbike race and was – you know, I, I want to say he was dominant in the Stock thousand race. We'll get to that in a minute. But Travis Wyman kept him incredibly honest the whole way through. But, but Jake was just quick and Jake, you know, he's made the joke about, you know, I talked to him on Thursday and he was laughing about when he showed up here last year to ride that Ducati. He's like, I was so fat. He's like, yeah, I was going to mention that. (laughs) He's like, I'm in my leathers. And he's like, I felt uncomfortable in my leathers. I felt like, you know, kind of, what am I doing here? This is the sucks. And, um, now, you know, he's been losing a lot more weight. He's way more serious about, I shouldn't say he's way more serious. He's really serious right now about his road racing because he even talked to me about getting a new motocross back and he's like he's like i was out there riding and i was like i'm i'm kind of just being super careful because this means so much to him right now that he's got that second chance kind of to come back into the series and possibly win a championship 
And, you know, you got to think that if any rides do open um, on any of our main teams or if any new teams may possibly get coming in, that Jake Lewis is going to be a guy that you would consider putting on a superbike again. I mean, you know, the, the saddest story for me about Jake is he was on the Yost team and then he got hurt, if you remember. And then he yeah. brought Tony Elias in and that kind of ended Jake's kind of superbike run. Um, and, and he's been through it and he's doing, you know, he's doing a great job now. He's got leading the Superbike cup. He's got a lead in the stock thousand championship. He's having a tremendous year. Mm, he certainly is. All right, let's move mm. on to super sport. This thing's getting long in the tooth already. We haven't even talked about GP yet, but oh, there was a GP this weekend. <laughs> yeah, a little, little okay. bit. Well, it's pretty easy to talk about super sport, isn't it? I mean, when we talk about it, it's kind of a two or two horse race, Greg, uh, race one finally had Escalante get back to his winning ways. He ends up winning race number one over SDK by, by 0.1. I mean, it was like throw a blanket over him. These guys are, these guys were in the 43s. The next best lap time was, you know, um, kind of, they were about a second faster than everybody, but they go on to win over Rocco Landers, who I think made a step this weekend. Rocco did. So um, Rocco ends up finishing third, some 20 seconds back. Second day, the, the results were the exact same for Rocco finishing third, but he, Cut that margin in half in a race that was faster overall. SDK flipped the script the second day he beats Escalante. Um, it was kind of like those two, three guys, uh, the, the first two guys were gone pretty much. Benjamin Smith ran with them, didn't he, Greg, for the, for the first part of the day on the second race. And you and I looked at each other and I mentioned it, that we were like, who's going to step up next year if these two guys are gone? Benjamin Smith has the outright pace. But it's just a matter of keeping a bike underneath him for the for the majority of it because once he starts to lose any kind of feel, once his tires start to get a little bit used, he has a tendency to drop back pretty quick into the guys catching him behind him. And those guys this week were Rocco, Lockoff, Mesa. Um, those are really the top six that we've seen again this this year that have been able to kind of run the pace. Um, but uh, but I thought Rocco, you know, when we look back at this weekend. The championship right now is, is 61 points again. There was no real gains. But but I thought Rocco, you know, being 10 seconds back at the end of the second race, I thought was pretty promising. I couldn't agree more. Mm. And really it is. I think, you know, now we're looking at, look, Sean Dillon Kelly is on course to win this championship. <clears throat> no question. It's his to yeah. lose at this point. Richie Escalante knows that. So for Escalante, with, they have four races. Superbike has six races left. They have four races left. I think Escalante is just going, all right, kitchen sink time. Let's just go out and race. No big deal. It's on SDK. The possibility those two might be moving on to something else is pretty high at this point. So the passing of the baton, I'm looking at Rocco. I'm looking at Lockoff. I'm looking at Benjamin Smith. You know, Mesa is a guy we don't know if he can figure out how to get here full time. He's got other priorities as well. So is the baton being tossed to Mesa? He's the only other person that's won a race this year. It doesn't feel like that, you know, because Rocco and Sam and Benjamin Smith are here full time. But honestly, if I'm someone from Northeast Cycle Outlet Racing and I'm looking at Benjamin Smith, Jay, I'm almost thinking to myself, you know what? Let's go ahead and get Benjamin Smith or Ben Smith, whatever. Let's get him on a mm-hmm. thousand. I mean, he's he's just he's the probably the biggest guy, probably the heaviest guy. He's fit, but he's just a five eleven, no, you know, tall. beefcake kind of guy. And <clears throat> yes. I don't know if maybe six hundreds are where his future is currently, maybe another year of corner speed, but I'm almost thinking, look, man, he's been around a couple of years. If we can, if we can make the move, move him to stock thousand, then that leaves us with Rocco and Lockoff, and then Mesa when he can show up. However, with that said, there there's a possibility that Supersport is going to see some 
some rule changes next year that might open up the field and all of a sudden spark interest from a lot of different people, even the possibility of sparking interest from people from outside the United States to come race it. So yeah. And, and, and manufacturers too, possibly. So it, yeah, exactly. So there could be some, some things there <clears throat> that are going to change our perspective of what the super sport class is. But in terms of right now, it's a battle for third between Rocco Smith and Lockoff, And it's a battle for the win between Escalante and SDK and SDK is checking out in this championship. I mean, he's just done a absolutely phenomenal job this year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wicked, it, it phenomenal. Funny, wicked phenomenal. The thing oh you talk God. about when you talk about those two guys though, is um, for me, uh, the fact that SDK is comfortable enough to still be that aggressive and ride that hard, knowing that there's a championship in his balance, um, just shows the confidence he's got in the bike and in the team and everything else around him. So I think for me, um, you know, he's he's been good. And, and just getting back to Benjamin real quick, Smith, I think the good thing that we've seen from Benjamin is he had a really poor Brainerd, but he didn't he didn't go tossing the thing down the road there either. It's like he's kind of he's matured, and I think. I really do think that there was a lot of people that saw him put himself in the shop window in that second race. Cause he actually ran those guys down at the front, caught them. And now it's going to be a matter of just kind of getting better with some bike setups and maybe setting a bike up on old tires and, and getting it to where he can get more comfortable because he's got the pace. And I, and I agree with you. I think he'd be great on a, on a thousand as well. So I don't, I don't think he's finished in 600. I think that he could still do some damage in that class. Um, especially if those other two guys move out, I think Benjamin would probably stick around and think to himself, I could win this championship. Um, but I think there's a, a, a group of others and who knows who we'll see jump up from our junior cup, Greg, which this weekend was, um, was really competitive. And, uh, Ben Glotti ends up closing in on Ty Scott as far as the points championship. And the reason for that is because on race day, number one, Glotti goes on to win over Joe Lamandry Jr. Bazooka Joe. Right? Bazooka Joe. Bazooka Joe. David Kolstad puts himself on the podium again in what was a really good ride for him. He's like, we talked about it. He's kind of the one guy that we've been waiting to win a race this year. He's getting closer. Ty Scott was fourth. Gus Rodeo, who just always seems to be there now. Gus Rodeo ends up fifth. Kayla Yakov, I thought, what a tremendous weekend for her. She ends mm -hmm. up sixth in race one, seventh in race two. Jack Roach, who didn't get to ride race two because of a morning warm up incident, bent his bike up pretty bad, but he finished seventh on day one. Max Van, Eli Block, Davis were kind of your, your top 10. I think when you look back at um, the weekend in this class, Ty Scott ends up getting the win on day two, just barely over Glotty and LeMandry Jr. there again. Cody Wyman, super beat and battered up. I talked to him yesterday through text, Greg, and he had to get a wheelchair at the airport. And he was going to get some oh. x-rays done today. Cody had a big, big high side on day one, uh, and he fought really hard to only lose by 1.3 seconds over these guys on day two. Gus Rodeo, again, right there. He ends up fifth. Kolstad from the day before, our podium guy, ends up sixth. And like I said, Yakov, Davis, Max Van, Spencer Humphreys ends up top 10. This championship's fun for us because it's close. And we, you know, we don't just have the two guys – that are settling in amongst themselves. There's going to be a number of different players that get involved in this championship because they're kind of putting themselves between the two kind of title contenders. Yeah. We're in super sport. It's totally different. I mean, you're just going, okay, it's a battle between Escalante and SDK right now. There's Correct. no one, you know, maybe Rocco shows up at Jersey and Rocco does something, but it, it's too far away. Now mm -hmm. I think what the championships, nine points or something, something along those lines where it was 16 mm -hmm. coming in. So mm -hmm. that's where, yeah. And, and with four races left to go, and then you're going to go to a place that, 
a couple of those junior cup riders, it's their home track Jersey, right? Like yeah, Lamandry yeah. junior cup. Lamandry. Yeah. yeah. So you're like, Oh boy, here we go. So it's going to be Gus rodeo. Isn't Gus rodeo from that area? Too? I believe Gus rodeo is from that yep. area. Yep. So you're like, mm-hmm. okay, let's see. Let's see what happens on this one. By the way, a thought just rattled in my head. When we were talking about superbike, and that is, um, <laughs> I have a feeling this is my superstitious premonitions. It's going to rain at Jersey. Wow! And we that's know the really traction there. That's a really yeah. bold thing. Oh, here. I went out on a limb there. So mm-hmm. um, I think we see a, uh, I think we see a Ducati win in the rain at Jersey with the amount of in the in the, gar- in the junior cu- in the junior cup class <laughs> amount of garbage traction that's available at that. Every place. Moto America personnel officially hates you now for saying that i know that but you and maybe I, we, we, maybe we it's sit, the opposite sit, thing maybe it's the opposite thing where I'm, yeah it's like shh, yeah. don't talk about the rain yeah. i was you shouldn't have done that but you know has it ever rained there before yeah <laughs> i hope uh, it doesn't though i mean you know no, i hope it doesn't that honestly place, that's that yeah. place is actually really raceable on the dry like it's fun to watch races there we get close racing and i think the junior cup class there is going to be close like i think it's not, you know, a, I like, mean, it's not a very technical track. I mean, it's correct. And it's got a nice long straightaway. It really lends itself to great racing. And oh, I don't know, you tell me, but I mean, arguably the amount of times I've been around there, there seems to be some really good passing places that aren't too hairball, you know? Yeah. Well, we know turn one. I really love the last corner coming out of the front straight of Jersey. So, you know, we, we see a lot of passing down into turn one and, and, uh, turn, I think it's turn five, the left-hander. So, I mean, it, it does lend itself to good racing. And when you have a track that's, not overly technical and allows guys like you to be a little bit more competitive because it's, there's not really much to it. So, Beep. you know, it's a shorter lap time. You know what Beep. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even do that. My voice is so jacked this morning. Anyway, mm-hmm. whatever. Stock thousand Jake Lewis checks out 1.4 seconds over Travis Wyman. Hayden Gillum. Didn't Hayden, I didn't, I watched some of this race. Hayden was like ninth or something, wasn't he? After the first lap. He, he apparently he ran off somewhere. Oh. He ran off or he, he screwed up kind of at the start in, in his interview. That's what I heard him say. I talked to him after the race. He was pumped to be here. He doesn't think he can do the last two rounds. I mean, he's a family guy now. He got married and uh, he got looked like, he, you know, and I'm not hating. This isn't a hate hate thing, but he's, he looks like he's a little bit on the, the year ago, Jake Lewis program, you know? Oh, dad bod. Hayden's a big guy. He's already a big guy. And when he was riding 600, he was, he was had to keep himself skinny. But he is he is the 2021 Jake Lewis because you know we no no what what I mean no, by no, that no, is I'm, we, I'm not laughing because I'm like it's true it's we've true. seen him leave and it would be great to have him we need him in our series and uh, we need so him on talented. something we need him on something other than a bagger even though I love the fact that he's in the series and he's got that opportunity uh, and maybe that's the opportunity that helped him get this one but the the fact is is that Hayden Gillum is he's a championship kind of guy like he. Rode so well. He took a year off last year. We didn't get to see him at all, really, other than at the end of the year on the bagger. This year, I walked into a subway at Atlanta. I literally walked into the subway, and he followed me in. And we just ended up sitting down and having lunch together. And just hearing about his life, he's got a his wife's seven months pregnant right now, and uh, which makes the last couple rounds maybe a little bit a little bit more hard for him. Um, but he got you know he got married and he's got a real job, and that's why he couldn't be there Friday. I mean, that's the story, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost like um, uh, people that get cut, players that get cut in the NFL, right? Like get cut preseason, and then yeah, their managers totally. say like, hey, stay fit, stay sharp, right. keep yeah, training. Totally. You know, it's like yes. you have Tony Elias who came off the couch who admitted, well, I kind of stopped training. I was unmotivated until Kyle called. 
you know, and then you have, you know, Jake Lewis and Hayden Gillum and, you know, writers like that. You're just like, oh boy, you know, it's, it's weird. It's like, do you keep yourself fit? I think at this point, more so than any Jay, as Moto America continues to build the series and it increases in popularity. If I'm a racer and I don't have a ride, but you're someone that's a recognizable name, someone who's shown speed, maybe won championships, I'd probably make that a priority. Even if it is three, four months, try to stay motivated and try. Cause that's the one thing I see. Like when you watch, um, Oh, what's that show on Showtime? Uh, Hard Knocks. You've yes. seen the show Hard Knocks before. Yes. And you see these athletes and they're like, get bounced out the second week of training camp. And the coach says, hey, stay fit and everything else. I keep thinking to myself, where is the motivation? If you're home and you're just dejected because you got rejected and all of a sudden you're like, well, no, I got to get back in the gym. And and so it's like for some racers, like, hey, find it. You know, keep digging well, deep. Keep finding it. I know I'm going to get made fun of for this, but but the fact is, is that even though I got to ride at Brainerd a little bit with these guys, you know, a month ago or three weeks ago, it motivated me too, because, and you know, I think the thing is, Greg, is it's really frustrating when your mind is, you know, you, you look at like a Tony Elias right now or Jake Lewis or even Hayden Gillum, there's nothing worse than your mind knowing that you can do the job, but then, you know, maybe physically because you haven't been training at the level that you're used to training at, um, your body is, it, 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 it kind of gets fatigued and it's really hard when you're, in your mind, when your body gets fatigued, it's taking away from whatever it is you're doing on the track or on the bike itself. Right. I mean, and I not making fun, but I know you've gone through that too, Mm -hmm. because you still like to ride and you ride at a very high level. Um, and to be fair, when you came out to Chuck Wallet, you, you know, you're pretty efficient on a bike. That's why, uh, that's why you, you, you weren't getting as tired, but it's like, like I got away with it really is, is more correct. Right? Yeah. But like, it's like, and, and, but, but even when, you know, when you go rolling up to the line at the level that these guys are at and you know that those guys have been doing nothing but training, that's all they've been doing. And you haven't, um, your brain is still telling you that you can do the job. So, and, and, and you know, just talked about Tony real quick, how classy of it was it, you know, literally the first person I think he thanked on the podium on Saturday was Kyle Wyman. Mm. he's like Did i want to thank kyle yeah but yeah it was like the first person he he kind of mentioned was i want to thank kyle because kyle kind of got him back in the series kyle put it, that ducati underneath him and i thought it was pretty classy that he did that anyway yeah, so i agree hayden gillum would be a good guy to see back jake lewis wins over wyman and gillum michael gilbert fourth Danella lewis mesa yates andrew uh, lee was eighth Corey alexander really crazy ninth um just couldn't get anything kind of going the weekend Gerardo ends up 10th, Dunham, Giannato, Ruling, Simmons, and Butler. I, I, I got to say a shout out and feel a little bit bad, obviously. I think we both do. But, you know, Wyatt Ferris has been – he rode really good at Brainerd. Burn, and rode, baby, burn. And then he Disco rode really burn, good here. No, burn, baby, burn. Yeah, that's mean, dude. That's just It mean. is mean. Sorry, I'm But poor. you got you to think, though, like, listen, this is – you got to think. How good is it that Robbie Peterson's helping Wyatt? I mean, you, you just automatically see an immediate – spike in results and that's what i talk about these guys don't forget how to ride but if they get the right people around them all of a sudden things start to get a little bit better and you, you know you see guys you can look at different people through our series and go ah oh, you know i wonder why he's not doing so good or i wonder why this guy's at the end of the day wyatt knows how to ride a bike and unfortunately he fell over which he never does hardly but he fell over and unfortunately you know bike burned to the ground right there in front of oh, us it was horrible Horrible. horrible. And we were interviewing Robbie. You know, I think Hannah or Jamie were kind of interviewing Robbie at the time. And you can see, like, Robbie was even, like, just – he was so, like, devastated by it because he knows how hard Wyatt's working. And they've made some real progress on that M4 X-Star Suzuki bike. But you can see immediately, like, 
there's a Pep and Wyatt step now. He's riding with guys he knows he can ride with. And, you know, full credit to Robbie on that. I think Robbie Peterson's really helped him a lot. Who is Cam's, obviously Cam Peterson's dad. I was in the paddock doing research during the time of the race. And I see, I hear it all quiet. And, you know, it, it, it's one of those things like if you're in California mm-hmm. and you live in a neighborhood that's very active where dogs are barking and stuff. I, I, don't I love know it. Got, yeah. There's no other dogs in any other state but California. But no, yeah, no, no, I got no, 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 no. Hold Greg this. Greg always, always talks about California. No, but no, no, yeah. no, you moron. <laughs> Why don't you check yourself? What I'm saying is, is when I lived in California as a kid, what mm. I noticed was when the neighborhood got quiet all of a sudden, right before an earthquake. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. No. It all it the animals, the birds weird. start chirp, stop chirping, the dogs start stop barking, and then an earthquake happens. It's really, really freaky. And you're like. Something's off, right? Like something's like, like what? and then all of a sudden, the earth starts shaking, yeah. and you got to go for you know. But it's Jeff, Jeff track, White. Right? Jeff White, literally in the middle of an earthquake one time, where kids, Jeff White goes to the glass sliding glass door, and the thing is vibrating back and forth, getting ready to break, and he opens it up to take a look outside, like looking at an earthquake is going to help you. Meanwhile, we're all taught in school, you know, duck underneath a table or something, and that dope opens up a glass door. You got away with it though, because Jeff, Jeff White. Don't Jeff White is dope. He's the fastest of the white brothers. Okay. Oh, please he is. just stop yourself. But anyway, the point, the point is I'm in the paddock. I, I noticed like but you hear the race start, right? You hear it start. Uh, yeah. But the noise was going on. Then it stopped. And I was like, well, that's weird. Then I see Robbie kind of running up the hill from hot pit lane to cold pit lane with the tire rack in his hand and cam, his son, cam Peterson was there and they were like, blah, 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 in like a thick accent, which I could not understand from South Africa. And then Cameron grabs the cart and then like brings it underneath. And Robbie took off like towards Park Ferme or somewhere. And I was like, what's going on? And he's like, why it's bikes on burning into the ground. I was like, what yeah. the heck? And then I noticed, oh, yeah, there's no race activity going on right now. That's why it felt kind of weird for a moment. That was my whole point. It was a long way of getting around. It doesn't matter. Can we go to Twins Cup? This podcast is so freaking long, I'm getting over it. What? Well, you're talking about earthquakes and stuff. (laughs) No, I know. It's my fault. And by the way, I can't hear you right now. I just want to stop talking. Yeah, you're talking about earthquakes. And and it's funny because you're you're, you're cutting in and out. Well, that's why. because your internet connection in your hotel room stinks. Like it just started. Like you just started. Cut. Yeah, it's Do because what? your ho- your internet connection in your hotel room stinks. That's why. It says I'm like killing it right now. Okay. Well, you know what? You, you, you know what though, G-Dub? They, they probably could have gone from pit lane out to turn five quicker with a, you know, if they'd have ran there with some fire extinguishers. Pretty disappointing watching what was going on there as far as getting the bike put out. Oh, I didn't see it. So I only saw the the actual photos yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah, it wasn't good. So anyway, right. Twins so, Cup. Yep. Maziata wins in Twins Cup. Uh, he's on a couple race win streak. I don't think that they're going to be able to. I think he's going to go great at Jersey. Obviously, it's a home track for Anthony. Good to see him win. There's another guy that we saw disappear. He's come back into the series. He's had uh, a lot of success so far. Um, it, it actually took him longer to win than I thought it would. Teague Hobbs ends up second. Schultz, Barry. Blackman, Chris nope, Parrish, sorry, Hoff. sorry. Let me. I'm going to back you up a little bit. Unfortunately for Teague Hobbs, he got disqualified, so that actually oh, moved did. up. Hayden, yeah, there was a second piece that came out um, after the fact, so he got disqualified. Ah, uh, I didn't know that. Yep, mm-hmm. didn't know. Yeah, so Hayden Schultz, Jody Berry, Jackson Blackman fourth, Chris Parrish in fifth, Toth, who's now off of the Veloce team onto an Aprilia, and from Junior Cup to Twins Cup, he finishes sixth. 
uh, and, and on back through the field. So, um, yeah, but the big, big story here is Caleb, right? Caleb DeCrail, our points leader mm-hmm. coming into this, coming into this race, he had some problems. So I'm just looking up the twins cup, actual point standings, just to see where we're at with those. Um, I, I still got a pretty big lead. It looks like, so mm-hmm. he's got a 53 point lead over Jackson Blackman. Um, I didn't even see where did, uh, where did Jackson I mean, finish? So he would have finished fourth in this race, did Jackson. Correct. So, and, you know, so, yeah, I mean, that that class uh, standings, as, as far as that goes, it looks still pretty good for for Caleb. Um, that was kind of our weekend at Pitt. I, I love the track. I love the area. Um, I look forward to going there every year now. It's a track I wish I would have got a chance to race at. But, um, but it was, it's, a, it's a fun place, and it's, it's the fans. Dude, we have a lot of fans there. So. Solid, solid weekend of racing at Motor America. We're going to be back in action in what, Greg? Two weeks, I think. Three, it is two, three weeks. Three, three weeks. weeks in Jersey. I mean, the year is just flying by. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, looking forward to getting to Jersey. Usually you get a lot of fans there. I bet there's going to be a ton of people there this year. Hopefully the, wa- the rain stays away. And uh, <laughs> we got back-to-back weekends, don't we, man? And then our season's done. Just Banquet crazy. Monday night. Don't forget. Yeah, banquet banquet staying, Monday night. I don't know if wow, you've done your just, travel. So over, uh, there was a little race over in Austria this weekend. Yeah, there and was. This is probably what we should have led the whole podcast with, because as far as rides of the year goes, maybe rides of the decade, Brad Bender, man, what do you say? I mean, the guy ends up winning um, by 13 seconds. Now, if you just looked at the results, you'd be like, wow, Brad <laughs> Bender really dominated this race. Like, totally, totally checked out. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was gone. Yeah, well... Josh Hayes came up to me in the morning when we were in the booth and he goes, listen, watch the first six laps and watch the last five laps. That's all you need to watch. And he was right. But what happened in the in-between was pretty interesting because there was a lot of things being set up, too many things to even go over. And I think the thing that we got to do here is if anybody out there has a friend that sits there and tells you that, oh, F1 is the greatest. You got to watch F1, F1 this, F1 that. F F1. Yeah, FF1. Just have them go pull this race up and watch it and then tell me when the last time you see the kind of excitement that we saw in this race. Brad Bender wins over Bagnaya, over Jorge Martin, who gets back-to-back podiums with a win and a third. (laughs) Juan Mir ends up fourth. Just somehow that guy just continues to put himself top four, top five. Luca Marini ends up fifth over Ecker Lacawona, who actually was second place Going oh. into the last lap of this oh race. Oh my God. It was so close to a box oh. for that guy Quattro, who needed it more than anybody, right? I mean, I mean, it's, it sucks that they don't talk about that guy. He's a guy that should be on the Patronus Yamaha next year. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Like one ends up six because he's the kind of guy that I think if he gets on that bike with a, you know, a new crew, new team, that they could still do something with him. Um, Quattro, like I said, seventh. Dougie's boy Rossi ends up eighth, and I'm, I can you imagine what Dougie must have been like when he sees Rossi cross? So the I think line what last third. lap he was P four, wasn't he? he was I think third. he was no, he was third. Oh, he was third on the, okay. yeah, yeah. He was third going into the last lap, and the first guy I thought about is like, oh my gosh, Dougie's Dougie's in his man basement right now, just enjoying himself watching this race. Um, Marquez <laughs> with Marquez, lotion, with lotion, and oh a bunch God. of <laughs> he had to be not 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 um. Uh, tissues either like paper towels, like the quicker picker uppers. So you just got, you, you went to another level. I wasn't going there, but I'm going to, I'll let Dougie take that up with you. Alex Marquez. He's a Rossi fan people. Yeah. Alex Marquez. He's, he's riding pretty good right now. I know he is. He ends up ninth, a Spargo who was in that podium contention as well. Um, he, he like literally went from like 
third to 10th in two corners. So he had gotten by, by Rossi and then he ran wide and yeah, Miller ends up 11th disappointing two disappointing races. I guess, I guess you'd have to say for Miller in it, what, you know, it, a track where Ducati's dominated Petrucci, Nakagami Rins, disappointing again. Marquez picks it up off the deck after crash. So basically this race had two parts, didn't it? It was dry. It started to rain. It got dry again. Quattararo was amazing watching this race. He, he literally, there was, it almost seemed like there was no Ducati advantage at this track anymore. Everybody's closed that gap, but the Yamaha mm. at a track that has routinely struggled. If it stays dry, Quattararo is probably going to win it or at least be really near it. Marquez was there obviously as well. Um, but when you look back at it, it starts to, it starts to rain with three to go with Marquez leading. And he basically drug five guys into the pat into the pits, into pit lane. And there was one guy that said, nah, I'm going to just skip that. I'm going to go past pit lane and have a go. And it starts pouring with what Greg, like a lap and a half to go. Yeah. And Bender pouring. stays out on slicks. On slicks. <laughs> Tires have gone cold. Carbon brakes have gone cold. He can't slow the bike down. And somehow he brings it home. I mean, he he wins by 12.9 seconds and he ran off in turn one and lost like 12 seconds there. So the fact that you think about how hard he must have still been pushing when he came across the sheets of rain that he did, it it's an, it's incredible. I mean, a nod to the track engineers for building a track and paving a track that doesn't have um, huge puddles in braking zones yeah. <laughs> for, for Bender no, in a weird way. It was it, This is a race that we don't really need to analyze too much because it's not a typical race. It was a totally unusual race. It was entertaining as entertaining gets. You had no idea. I mean, I was literally like <gasps> the whole yeah. time. Every time they showed Bender on the last lap, I'm like, oh, oh. And he's moving around. He's squirming around and all this kind of stuff. And it was just, oh, it was so entertaining. And so I just can't even imagine how relieved everyone must have been except for Oliveira, Zarco and Bassinini who didn't finish this race. I mean, Zarco not finishing was a, was a big deal for the championship and he crushed me in fantasy. Oh. Johan. Hey, killing me. check this out. What? I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I know the fantasy parts mine, but I, I turboed him. <laughs> you turboed yeah, you, Zarco. Yeah. You laugh now. I turboed no, him, but no, yeah. no, listen, I'm pushing the wrong button or something. So I thought I turboed him. And then, so I was like, that's about right. When Zarco crashed, I'm like, yeah, that's the way fantasy has been going for me. Like the one guy that I have crashes, right. That I've turboed and, and I turboed him, but for some reason I must be pushing the wrong button because I still have three turbos left. So that's what the good. Hell? Yeah, dude. That's good. First of all, all right, I'm going to give you a little pro tip here. All right. Just a tip. Um, look at a, look at a weather forecast. It was an 80% chance of rain. Don't turbo anybody when it rains, you dodo bird. What's wrong yeah. with you? Yeah, well. Well, you didn't I, actually I, turbo him, but okay. Yeah, I didn't. And it was only a lap. And I thought I thought he'd be fine in the rain, too. And I figured he'd he'd have a 20-second lead in the dry. So I figured he'd be fine. But, well, but what anyway. You, hey, did you see the meme? Did you see the meme, the South Park meme with Bender? Did I, did I send that to you? No. Oh, it's classic. I'm literally sending it to you now. This is live. This is, this is good stuff for the podcast. But you got to see this because – it's a it's like a South Park thing, and basically, is one of the little guys is standing next to his mom, and says, "Hey, mom, who is that guy?" And I don't know if it's the teacher from South Park or whatever it is. <laughs> the guy with his balls in a wheelbarrow. Guy's got his balls in a wheelbarrow, and he says, "That's Brad Bender." 
That's what mom says. That's what mom says to the to the kid. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. You should put really, that I, really. Good. Yeah, maybe you should use that meme as a way to draw people in for our podcast. But Bagnaya I thought did a good job getting himself in second overall. Uh, he needed that to close the gap. Quattro was visibly pissed off that he finished seventh, but it was just one of those races where it's the Yamaha does struggle in the wet, G Dub. <clears throat> so I think that that's one of the things that you heard him talking about, even when they were having wet dry practices. Quattro seems to be struggling in that in those conditions. Um, you got to laugh a little bit. So, so like the takeaway here is it what Bender did there is going to be like one of those historic GPs that you're always going to be able to look back on and just think to yourself, like incredible. And the guy's always got a smile on his face, even when he's qualified 16th and he's doing his, his conferences uh, post qualifying, he's sitting there smiling going, you know, it's okay. We've come from this far back to finish in the top five before. And I really think blah, blah, blah. Well, this weekend he got himself into qualifying too. And he was marching through these guys. I mean, he had caught those guys. He was on the back end of that lead group when they pulled when they all pulled into the pits. I mean, the the best dude was was the fact that um Pecco goes into the pits, gets rain tires on, and that dude was ripping on the last how fast lap. He, how fast he was passing the poor guys on slicks. Oh my god, it was like 14 seconds a lap or something, mm. someone said. But but I mean Brad Bender won that race by literally. If this race was three corners longer, he wouldn't have won the race. That's no, how fast no Bagnaia was coming. But I mean, no hey, question. that's part of it. It was well timed and the risk, whatever. I mean, it was awesome. And Again, Darko crashes. So for Quattro, he still extended his points lead. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's fine. I mean, what's what's he going to do? He's he's out what's some he some do? bonus money. You know what I mean? Come yeah. on, come on, Quart. Yeah, he's you can. Do but it. you know what's funny is he's talking about championship a lot. And, you know, we, we've been talking about how SDK and Gagne. They haven't even mentioned it, but yeah. But Quattro's got his eye on that. Like he he knows it's like it's almost because the points are so so crazy. But again, Juan Mir catch you know closes in on points. That that's, well, I think the difference too, though, if you think about it, Jay, it's it's way more hectic up front for Quattro yeah. and the amount of people that that can put him you put to put themselves in between and even put Quattro at danger at times. <clears throat> it's a little different than what's going on with SDK and going on with Kanye as well. Yeah, no, I agree. But it's like he's. He's legitimately talking about it. And and what that does to me is it just increases the pressure. When you start talking about it publicly, then a lot of these guys are going to start asking him about it. And you got to look at it right now. Bagnaya and Juan Mir, they're both 47 points back now. He's got a 47-point lead over Bagnaya and Mir. Zarco's 49. And then really, it's it's a it's it's a four horse race. Uh, if you want to consider almost the you know, guys that were within 49 points. A race, but there's still anything can happen. And when you look at the where are they going to next, Judah? I think it's Silverstone, isn't it? So that's probably going to be a good track for Ducati, I would say. Um, again, I think that even though Yamaha has done well there, I think that that's going to be a pretty good track for those guys. So I don't know. You know, it, it's I I still think that for me personally, I think Mir is the guy who I think he has the best chance of catching him. Well, I mean, what what says you? Seven days ago, Frankie Carcetti, who is mm-hmm. Mir's crew chief, tweeted this. 2020 after 10 races, 121 points. 2021 after 10 races, 121 points. Crazy. I'd say that's that quite crazy. Co- yeah, I'd say that's quite consistent. This is any tagged in super, you know, or Suzuki Motor GP. <clears throat> I agree with you 100%. I think that it feels like the push is on. The second half of the season pushes on. And, for yeah. for Mir. Yeah, I mean, I do. And I think that there's, and, you know, 
It's crazy. <laughs> Excuse me. If Quark, if Quark gets too tight, if Quark gets too tight in this championship, Mir's got nothing to lose. He's got the number one plate. He's been blown out this season. Yeah. Now he's starting to make a march. I, you know, I agree with you. It could be Mir. He could win this thing. Well, is that what it, you said? You said Mir's going to win it. It's just one race. It's if it rains. It's, <laughs> oh, forget about it. Yeah, I, you know, and I'm not trying to cause or talk about like making it more drama filled than it is. But if it rains, I mean, there's a chance that Quattro could be tenth or or further. And I really think that the mm-hmm. Suzuki's are going to go well in the rain, and I think they're going well in the dry. So, and there's enough people to get in between those two guys. So let's see how that goes in Moto Two mm. on the weekend. Uh, did you get to watch it? Mm. Oh God, yeah. You kidding me? Yeah. Oh yeah, my god! It was a good race, dude. Uh, better your boy. So, so Fern- Fernandez wins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Fernandez yeah, wins yeah. over Agura by eight tenths of a second. And oh man, up until probably maybe three laps to go, I kind yeah. of thought, "I man, he's got something. He's got something. He's gonna push through. Come on!" I and then Fernandez just put a push at the last part of that race that was so impressive. Was really he just lowered the lap times big time? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Augusto yeah. Fernandez ends up third both races over the course of two weeks. Lowe's fourth, Chantra, Viette, Garner. Garner was seventh. Kanet, Luthi, Bezeki. Bezeki ends up 10th after winning last week, which is just crazy. I mean, he was he was 19 seconds back, Greg. Bezeki was. Isn't that weird? Jake yeah. Dixon, DeGiantonio, who's, since he talked about going to MotoGP, DeGiantonio's results have been very, very lackluster. Arbelino, Vierge, Garzo. Again, our guys don't score. Joe Roberts ended up 16th, and I was really hoping to get away without talking about any kind of race direction bullshit, but you got to bring it in. I mean, you got to talk about it because I know everybody's going to go, well, it's Cam, and you're being biased because it's Cam. No, I'm not being biased. If you look at that first turn in Austria, it's super sharp. It's uphill. It's very, very sharp turn, G-Dub. So you're going up that hill, you're hooking a right, and you can't see the exit as you're tipping in. But you know it's there, and you kind of go up over like a little crest. You, you know what it reminds me of, Greg, almost, is um, even though it's a little bit less extent, but you know turn two at Sonoma when you go up the hill and you go to the right? Oh, yeah, totally. It's kind of what turn one at Austria is like. You're going up a hill, and you're hooking a right, and it's got a little bit of rise to it. And you go up over the top. It's, it's, it's not quite as severe as turn two at Sonoma, but it's something like that. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, Cam has actually got his bike tipped in. He's not, he's not running straight into guys. You know, He's not running straight into guys. He's got his bike tipped in and the, you know, there's other guys tipping in on him and it's like he touches Joe. Joe's got four guys on the outside of him. It's, it's insane to me that they gave him a double long lap penalty there to me, but they have, they have, they have gone so far down the rabbit hole, Jason. You are so, you're so right on this. No choice. They have to. Yeah. They're there. It's, I, I mean, dude, it was a, it was comedy. Wasn't it? When, the, the the commentators in MotoGP they even were just laughing about it about the fact that somebody wrote on Twitter that Binder deserves a you know a penalty because of what he you know he ran off in turn one on his last lap I mean he was way out over the green he was out you know he was way way gone he lost like twelve seconds doing it but the fact that the <laughs> fact that they they give Binder but but you but you're hundred percent right they give Binder a three second which didn't do anything to the results. Can you imagine if Bagnaya would have been 2.9 seconds behind at the end of that race? Oh, my God. And they take that race win away from Binder? Ugh. I mean, but the thing is now people are talking about it. People people in the Twitter world and and you, common sense people are talking about how absolutely ridiculous it is that race direction's got this 
themselves this deep into it. And you put it the best. They, they got it penalized, Cameron, because there's a, they're, they're so deep into the rabbit hole now. Race direction has become the most important part of these races, which to me is very, very sad. I hate it's, it. I'm just going to say it. It's dumb. It is oh. absolutely positively dumb. I've said this yep. over and over and over again in my lifetime. NFL officials, their goal is if no one's talking crap about them, they've done a good job. You know, they want to just 100% right. be in the background. They don't want to be part of it. They have to be. Obviously, they're throwing flags, but they don't want to make a decision. But race control right now has pinned themselves into such a bad corner that they can't they can't reverse anything that they've done. And it's sad. It's like if I was race direction right now, I'd be like, oh, man, I can't wait till next year. We're going to set new precedents. But this year we're screwed. We just have to penalize everybody for everything. And and we yeah. are going to be blind to one of the greatest performances in the crappiest, weirdest conditions ever. Let's go ahead and penalize Brad Bender because can you imagine if they would have done it? Oh no, my god. You, you crash. You crash. It's again, it's fantasy versus reality. The reality is, is there is asphalt out there and he's on slicks and it's raining. <laughs> like yep. and he runs wide. <gasps> no kidding. But they <laughs> but they had to show that they were gonna pro they they had to they had to give him a penalty just just because had to as ridiculous as it seems, they had yep. to do it just because they've set this stupid precedent right. of getting involved in shit that they don't need to be involved in. And the thing that I laugh about with this Cameron thing is that he's not known as – he has n- no reputation as being a guy that runs into people. He has no reputation as being dangerous or non-thoughtful. Like there was – there's no – there's nothing there. And if you watch the race, there's nothing there. He's tipping in. He's like tipping into the corner. He's getting down to the corner. He's not straight up and down reckless running into guys. If he was – if his bike – had no lean angle at all, and he was going straight because he was on the brake still trying not to hit people, I could see it. I would 100% go, okay, that was maybe he pushed it in there a little bit deep. But he was he's tipping in, and he's got the whole field to the outside of him, and people are going to go, yeah, but he put himself in that position. I get it. But you've got 30 riders trying to get through this little tiny spot, and you're going to – you know how many people rub going into there over the course of the weekend? <laughs> Please. It's just a horrible turn one. It was a miscalculation. The other thing he could have done was gone in there and gone, oh, and then just bent the thing over, tucked the front, and cleaned a bunch of people out. Like, yeah. And then, and then how do you penalize him? What are you going to do? Make him start from, you know, Austria at the next round in England? It's just, they've just set this, this stupid precedent. And, and it's, it's actually, to be fair, it's ruined, it's ruining it for me a little bit. It's ruining it for a lot of people because they're yeah, out on Twitter going, okay, great. It's ruining it for the commentators. It's ruining it for the every time somebody yeah. gets to the green stripe, they're speculating on whether they're going to get a penalty, whether they're not going to get a penalty. And as a professional commentator, I'm sitting there going, how would I handle this? You know, yeah, what's the conversation we would have I to do. have? Yeah, I feel so bad for them. But uh, the race itself wasn't that good. It was good for me because I was invest- I'm was i invested in Iogora for some reason. Who you've never met. No, I've never met, but I just like the kid because I met his sister and I like his, his sister was it's cool creepy. and she was fast. It's just, and, it's just creepy. It's just creepy. Right? Well, no, yeah. because there was an actual connection and, you know, Arai sponsors Cute. the podcast. Iogur actually works at Arai. That's pretty uh, cool, huh? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they're, you know, pretty whatever. Cool. Anyway. How about yeah. Sergio Garcia in Moto3? Did you see that? Oh my God. Come on, dude. I mean, Unreal. what a great last lap. I hate it for yep. Dennis Anju. The kid I deserved the race win, but Garcia played it really to perfection and it was it was such a good last lap pass, and I actually held my breath. I was like, "Is he going to be able to pull this off?" Foggia in third, Acosta in fourth, Fanati 
Masia, John McPhee. Those guys started to, um, what's his name? Izan Guevara. Oh, what a performance by that young Spaniard. Also yep. on this, on the gas gas of Garcia. He, he, he made a real charge ahead he of, did. uh, Darren Bender, Toba, Suzuki, Salak, Nepa, and Alcoba in front of Izahar. How about, um, how about, how about Garcia? The thing that's most impressive about that is he makes the pass on the last lap in the corner that he crashed in the week before. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty cool. Like, and he's still trying to bring it right. Like he, he, he gained some points on Acosta, um, over the course of those two races. And I, I think it's really impressive to see that, that Garcia, see, I'm kind of into Sergio Garcia cause he's a golfer. So I'm like, I kind of watch <laughs> Sergio Garcia, the racer. I don't know him. Who was the other yeah. Sergio? Wasn't there a Sergio from Spain? Sergio, something who was a great golfer t- ten years ago, fifteen years ago. That's Sergio Garcia. It is right. He's been, yeah, he's he's been around forever. Yeah, he's been. Yeah, around that's forever. what I thought. So, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every yeah. time I so, see that name, yeah. So yeah, like so, like Ty Scott is who in your world? Oh, Ty Davis. I don't know right. why. I just <laughs> and my apologies to him and his dad and everybody else that's around him. I I think I've only done it once, but I it's always there in my brain, and it's weird because, as you've told me many times, when you do when you do, you know, telecasts and stuff every now and then you'll get that one word that's stuck in your brain all the oh, time and yeah. you say it all the time. You don't even know you're saying it. And I can't remember what it was this year that you and I, that I kind of called you out on it. And you're like, Oh my God, I say it all the time. And I'm like, yeah, got to stop. And then you did. I don't even remember what the word is. Don't, not stupendous, but it was something like that. Don't yeah. say it. You don't, you don't no, want to I know. say it. Yeah, 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 you yeah, have yeah, forgotten yeah. it. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, well this weekend I got one stuck, right? Like I kept doing in our, and when we were pre-producing our stuff, I kept saying, uh, you know, Hannah is sat down with this rider or the Jamie sat down with that rider. And our producer, John is like, no one sat down in motorcycle racing in 30 years. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, man. He's just, a, he's just one of a kind old Nordy. Anyways, they're off to Silverstone, Greg. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, again, weather could be a factor always in England and, uh, we'll see how, uh, see how that goes. MotoGP has been really fun. Um, obviously it's going to be another great weekend. Where are, uh, when is that? Is that next weekend then? Yeah. So this, this weekend, if, well, hold on real quick. I slid to seventh in, in our fantasy league, which yeah. is a bum. I've been on a backward slide these last two weekends. I think it went from third to fifth to seventh. Join us MotoGP. Uh, it's fantasy.motogp.com. You can check out the Greg's garage pod is our league and you can join us. It doesn't really matter. I mean, there's a prize at the end of the year and a rye helmet. We're going to give that away. Maybe some other stuff I haven't decided yet, but come join us. It's fun to talk about. Uh, when we have more time, we'll get more into MotoGP fantasy because MotoGP goes deep in the season and more podcasts. But Jason, a look ahead like you were I'm, talking I'm about. That we're not, I'm pumped that we're not talking about it. Yeah, please yeah. move forward. <laughs> yeah, because you suck. Yes, I World, do. World Superbike heads to a new track this weekend, Navarra. Uh, yeah. that's, that's what we have on tap for this weekend. MotoGP, I believe, is the weekend afterwards. So, um, any thoughts about Navarra? Because I believe it's a new circuit for everyone, right? Well, Pretty much. Go to worldsuperbike.com and you go to their calendar. You can click on it. You can look at the track from above. It looks amazing. It looks really good. And the guys say it's okay. Um, it'll be interesting. I, I think it's going to be way better than that track in Czech, uh, the one that they just yeah, did most, called Most. most I, wasn't, most, yeah. I mean, as a spectator, I wasn't that impressed with that place. Um, again, it'd be fun to go right there with your friends maybe on a track day, but it just didn't look that impressive to me, especially when you know Bruno's only an hour away, apparently. So man, we got to get these guys back to Bruno. Bruno's too good to be off the calendar in both series. Um, but anyways, uh, this place looks good. It's got, Greg's got that super, super fast turn one. Mm. 
I love super fast corners when I was a racer. Love them. Let yeah, me tell you about the time. No. This weekend. What, so what else is this weekend? Give us the rundown. Flat track in Peoria. Promoto is in Mechanicsville, Maryland. Arena Cross in Grand Junction, Colorado. That'd be good, good to go see. BSB is yeah. at Cadwell Park. AMA National Enduro in Ohio. NGPC Series in Preston, Idaho. And wow. um, some world stuff. FIM Supermoto in Spain. And FIM Motocross is in Finland. So there you go. Anything else you want to add? No, I got to. Uh, I'm in Cincinnati. I'm trying to qualify for the United States Mid-Am, which is going to be. I got to try to qualify Wednesday. You know who I got on the bag? Um, what I mean by that is caddying for me. Yeah, I do know who. Andrew Lee. He's with me. Yeah, he's with me. There you go. Well, good luck on yesterday. that. He's got. He's got the golf bug. Really likes to waste his time with something as frustrating I mean, as trying to put a little ball into a little arrow. Hole. I mean, well, yeah, that's, I mean, dude, it's the same. It's the same sport. This is not the same sport. He's not trying to be Robin Hood. It, it's it's. Thank God for that. Although he'd probably be a pretty funny Robin Hood with those ears of his and that little green hat with the feather in it and all that. He'd probably be pretty. And funny the red hair, that. the red hair with the and nice the green hair. felt hat. I mean, it would be. Yeah. He'd be a perfect Robin Hood. Oh, well, I see a Halloween full. costume costume coming, coming up for Andrew Lee. Yeah. So no, so we're we're in Cincinnati, and so I'm gonna try that, and then I'm flying home that, uh, Wednesday night. But um, so this next weekend, we got some things to talk about next week. Then when I'm home, we certainly do. I'm I'm shooting for a national championship for USA Archery for Archery. I stink right now, so you'll be fine. It's the title that I won in two of them that I won in 2019. So it'll be for fun. I'm just gonna go and have fun, but I get to shoot practice on Wednesday. Uh, first round is Thursday morning, Friday morning to decide the first national championship. And then we do single round eliminations on Saturday for the second national championship. But I am working Saturday afternoon, I think two 30, two, two or two 30, we go live with uh, gold medal matches. And some of the people that, um, competed in the Olympics for the USA will be competing in recurve archery in the, you know, here for, for our U S national championship. So they're coming off some fresh shooting. So it should be fun. It should be a fun weekend. Good. Well, Best of luck. Good luck. Thanks you too, man. To you, but good luck. And uh, thanks everybody for listening. And as usual, G-Dub, thanks for, you know, killing it with this and getting it done every week for us.